packing for the World Championships. Uh, look ahead at the days ahead at the most important archery event of the season. And Brady Ellison sticks his foot in the fun wheel. Ouch. That and more on the inaugural episode of the Eastern Target Podcast with me, George Tekmachov, and Steve the Big Cat Anderson. And we're live from the Eastern Corner Office here in sunny Salt Lake City, Steve. Uh, we've got about 20 hours before we head to the airport right now, and packing has been on both our minds. Uh, we've got Copenhagen that we're headed to, which is a fantastic city. Have you been there before? Have not been to Copenhagen. It First is, time Copenhagen. It is gorgeous. It is just beautiful, and the people are so nice. But uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, it's the most expensive city I've ever visited. Well, I... <laughs> I guess it's a good thing we're going on Uncle Greg's dime. <laughs> I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd put it out quite that uh, <laughs> no. bluntly, but yeah, you're right. We're we're very fortunate in that we're actually going to support World Archery's equipment um, facility there, the uh, the equipment repair facility. We've been appointed uh, technicians for that, and so obviously very very fortunate with the ringside seat for the event. Yeah. So how are you going to pack for an event like this, George? Well, if I were competing, it would be different, but. Um, the same principles apply. You know, when I travel, I like to travel light. I know you do too. Right. I tend to have a bow case with two bows, so light doesn't really fit the bill. But Well, as light as possible, right? Right, correct. Yeah. So uh, I'm taking my Easton Roller case, which is uh, just awesome. It's the recurve-sized one. And it's an inch and a half or two inches below the max for uh, international travel on most airlines, that particular sized case. So it's just fantastic because I've never gotten dinged with a, uh, a luggage fee or anything like that. But the principles apply. Strap everything down, make sure nothing can move around loose in there, and use extra space for clothing and stuff. That's that's my basic principle for traveling. Right. And then for me, I take uh, a bow scale and usually weigh it in before I head for the airport. I With two bows, uh, one set of stabilizers, if I throw my weights in my other pack, I come in right at 50 pounds or 23 kilos so I can make it under the limit. Yeah. So, you know, this time around, though, we're, we're taking a lot of extra stuff. Uh, we're taking, you know, arrows and points and tools, lots of tools, because uh, have you worked an equipment repair booth at a world championship or another event like that? I did the equipment repair booth in 2013 in Belek, Turkey. So you know exactly what you can expect. Just about anything from a broken tripod to uh, a full up, got to re-rig this bow. Yeah, I think uh, last time was was interesting we didn't have any crazy scenarios but if you can imagine it we probably did it um given the fact i was there last time on behalf of hoyt a lot of people from maybe the the countries that don't have um how do i say this they don't have big budgets yeah big budgets or or archery shops there close to them they operate pretty much off of whatever they have available in their home shops. Yeah, I've seen that for years, Steve. You know? Yeah, they want to come and, and get the help from the Hoyt guy or the Easton guy. They want that direct help, and they they feel more confident because that guy touched their bow. And, um, you know, I guess if that's if that's a service we can provide, then we're, we're doing everything we can. You know, what amazes me is the uh, – you know, we've got first-world problems here, right? I mean, we're worried about uh, all sorts of – you know, does my Apple Watch work on my NFC reader when I buy breakfast this morning? <laughs> yes. But but I've seen people show up at World Championships with five arrows in their quiver. I've seen people show up at World Championships with a bow sight made from a piece of aluminum that they cut with a bandsaw. Right. Yeah, I was uh, I was coaching in in Mexico actually over the summer, and there was one of their one of their archers had three or four total arrows. Only two of them were the same. And he was using a 
toothpick electrical taped onto his riser as a sight. And I thought, wow, and I'm, you know, worried if I have a torn fletch or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing what other people do to make it work. And and they've got the same passion for the sport. They just don't always have the same uh, either financial or social opportunities that we've been very blessed to have. Yes. You know, it, it gives me a great amount of pleasure to help people like that because uh, I, uh, you can sense the passion they've got. And you can, you know, they're like a brother, you know, you can relate to it. Yeah, I mean, they, they want it more than anyone else. They, they go through huge sacrifices just to make it there. And they have zero chance of winning usually. But they're there, they're participating, that's all they wanted. But you never know. I remember back in Madrid, uh, a kid from Brazil took out the number one ranked guy. 60, number 64 took out number one. So you can never, ever count somebody out. Never. That's the beauty of our sport. Well, uh, we're going to a beautiful city uh, in the next few hours. It's Copenhagen, and um, it's going to be a big temperature change for a lot of folks who are used to summertime in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, unless you're from Northern Europe, you might not appreciate the fact that Copenhagen is going to be in the, uh, you know, we're talking 60 Fahrenheit here. We're talking uh, teens Celsius, and mm -hmm. at night it's going to get down into the high 40s, uh, you know, single digits potentially uh, Celsius. So uh, that is offset by the fact that we're going to have something like 14 or 15 hours of daylight. Yeah, so more. we've been uh, here in Salt Lake, we've had some days 104 Fahrenheit, you know, 40 degrees Celsius, just absolute roasters. And I'm looking forward to the cool weather. My wife, being from Mexico, she's, she's uh, terrified. For those yeah. of you who don't know. Yeah, Linda's Linda's not looking forward to it. She's going to be bundled up, looking like a marshmallow. But <laughs> you should see her when the snow flies here. Uh -huh. So it's uh, for me, it's going to be ideal. Um, I am not participating in the event, like you know, everyone competing. So maybe for them, it's not the best conditions. But I think a, a good cool weather with flat light is some of the best scoring weather you can get. Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing some of that. And by the way, you uh, not to pick up a sore point here, but you are the alternate for the U.S. team. You're number four at the uh, selection. Yeah, I'm the alternate. I don't know the last time an alternate has ever competed. Yeah, but, it happens uh, once in a while. Yeah, once in a blue moon. I, I really, because I like the guys on the U.S. team, I hope I'm not competing in Copenhagen. Exactly. Um, you know, one important thing to note here, though, is Copenhagen is more important as a world championship in this cycle than Bellick was uh, two years ago because of one big factor for the recurves. Yes, Olympic team qualification. That's right. So, George, why don't you explain to everyone how that's going to work here in Copenhagen? Well, you know, you can go online and find out a lot more in depth. But in a, in a nutshell, if you make the top eight as a team, you have your full allocation for your team per gender at this event. You can go to Rio. Uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And, yes. uh, in fact, some countries are feeling the pressure so much that they're uh, pulling out all the stops, uh, you know, making sure that they have their best shot at uh at taking home that slot for rio yeah i know you know for us as uh the u.s team coach lee made sure that the the archers that were selected for world championships were the archers who went to world cup two he likes to put a big emphasis on the team round itself specifically because that's how you qualify individual athletes for the olympic games so they've done a lot in preparation for that and i'm sure they're not the only country yeah history shows and if you can get over the hurdle of, of qualifying your teams, and preferably both teams, uh, both men and women, at this event, the pressure is a lot less for preparation. But again, history shows that because you can see the results of what's happened in the past. For example, when the U.S. has failed to 
qualify both genders at the world championship, boy, it is a pressure cooker, not mm -hmm. pleasant for anybody. And, uh, everybody's desperate to try to avoid that kind of scenario. Yes. Okay. So, uh, the rain gear is going to be, uh, a, a de rigueur thing for this particular event. We're going to have to have our rain gear. We're going to have to have, uh, uh, everything prepared for that. And as a shooter, there's going to be a lot of uh, concern for some of the people, both compound and recurve, about the potential for rainy weather. For sure, Wednesday, we're expecting mm -hmm. really rainy weather. On the compound side, what do you do to, to prepare for rain? Well, <clears throat> some, things I, some things I do to prep for rain. If I am expecting it, I, I throw some wax on the string. Not a lot. I, I'm not a believer in string wax. I shoot natural colored strings that have no wax in them. Uh, but if rain is in the forecast, I do throw a light coat on there just to try to help keep it from penetrating the fibers. You know, the uh, the biggest problems I've seen at events, uh, and this has been plaguing one particular team, and in particular the women, are those teams using clarifiers or other optical means on the peep. Yes, we've seen Sarah Lopez have some issues at Shanghai 2014 and this year at World Youth Championships in Yankton. Uh, her clarifier coster and that's i i base my outdoor setup around not having to use a clarifier Maria's had some big problems too yeah, yeah i i use as small of a peep as i can without a clarifier to help sharpen the image for that reason i go to a really small scope a 29 millimeter shibuya scope and that helps um so that's all kind of built in you know it's preventative measures i take when i'm building the bow setup beyond that all archers, in my opinion, if you're using a stick-on dot as your aiming reticle, probably best to have a dot stuck on both sides. Just in case or, one slides off when yeah, you wipe the lens. Or a separate lens yeah. that you know is as close as possible, or you know, hey, I just got to move my sight four clicks right, and I'm back. So if you have to, you can make that swap and be up and at it again. Now on the recurve side, the strategy is generally keep your tab as dry as you can and make sure you flick that string before you string up that first uh, shot. But there's not much else you can really do. You, uh, you need to practice in the rain to understand how it's going to affect you individually. So moving on from the, uh, the rainy weather predictions, let's look at the performance predictions for this event. We've got a huge turnout. World Archery is reporting, Steve, that uh, it is an historic turnout, the, the biggest ever. Yeah, 100-plus countries, 620-plus athletes. So Biggest roster of recurve men ever, more yeah, than 200. It's going to be insane. Um, as the equipment repair booth guy, it's going to make my job interesting um, for the I'll, people. I'll be helping you it. out a little bit. Thanks, George. Appreciate. It. Yeah, but, you'll be there. I also have <laughs> another complication in my life at the event, though. Yeah, so. yeah. George is a busy man everywhere he goes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, huge turnout. So everybody is coming out for this thing from from Vanuatu and uh, Tonga to Korea and the United States and Japan. And I'm going to ask you frankly what you expect prediction wise for the let's start with men's compound what do you think mikey schlosser as a start out a name here yeah so for mike i mean defending world champion just broke the world record pretty safe bet there i think we'll see some other stuff out of some guys who haven't been in finals yet this year I, having watched rio he's uh He's had a year where he's really come on strong, especially lately. Um, he didn't have his best indoor season. 
he'll be the first to tell you that. And he lost a ton of weight going into the indoor yeah, season. Yeah, it was it was a struggle for him because of that. He looked your, like a different guy. Your body changes and you you don't shoot the same. So he's, he's 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 adjusted some of that a little bit. Yeah, he's been stomping lately. Him and and Braden have been Galantine. Yeah, Braden Galantine in our USAT shoots at least our USA qualifiers they've been on another level. I was shooting head to head against Braden, and he was telling me where he was going to shoot it on the X ring and then doing it. It was ridiculous to watch so okay but but taking off your very justified usa team hat for a second here because i know and how close you are to the guys yeah i'm going to ask you to to be objective and tell me who outside of 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 our favorites in the u.s we might expect a podium i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna tell you i'm thinking korea i could see a korean on the podium another one is and pardon me if i butcher his name uh, from turkey emir Demagalici, Demagasili. I'm sorry. I know I completely annihilated. You'll that notice name. I'm being silent here, but yes, that's you know I've got a I've got a reputation to protect. You don't have to worry about yours. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he's had some strong performances that I I could see him getting into a medal match for sure. Um, I see Mike there again for sure. Schlosser, yeah. yeah, he hasn't missed a gold medal final this year, so I can't help but feel that uh, the French guys are going to be somewhere in the hunt. Yep, PJ. Sebastian and South Africa. What about those guys? They're pretty solid. And Denmark, of course, you can't forget, you know, the, the, the Vikings, man. I mean, they're home. <laughs> they're at home. This has got to be, you know, Martin and Patrick and Stefan. I have got to feel that if they don't bring a medal home from their own home country, that that's got to be some kind of a, a black eye. Yeah. I, the men's compound field is, is pretty, pretty deep. And, could go a lot of different directions so we'll see what happens there I, I i don't think i would put money on anyone in vegas right now all right well recognizing that you're married to one of the top women's compound shooters in the world i have to imagine that uh you've got your own thoughts as to who might win this thing in the women's compound category but but let me throw out a few potentialities here sarah lopez new world record holder from columbia yeah and uh just a terrific person nice shooter great lady i mean one of the favorites of the crowd i i really think that she's just been on a roll and and has that potential yes i mean she's been so strong head to head in shanghai she was i mean she shot a 149 to beat linda in the gold medal finals anytime anyone can do that in a gold medal match they're shooting strong absolutely so we'll see i mean i i hope she has her peep sight issues figured out in case there is rain you know i'd hate to see that happen again right well i'm sure that everybody's cognizant of it by now and if not their coaches need a talking to as much as anyone i would imagine yes and then um obviously we've got past world champions uh we have uh, christina from germany and we've got uh albina from russian federation that'll be there so it's not going to be a it's not going to be a cakewalk for anybody in the women's compound category and jamie van natta is Shooting for the U.S.? Yes, and Jamie's coming off some really strong shooting. Yeah. She's uh, she's kind of, how do I say it? She's she's back a little bit, you know. I mean, she went to Europe and won the um, the field tournament over there, yeah. the, the Pro Series, and then she came and she swept U.S. Nationals, U.S. Open. So she's shooting really strong. Yeah, and, she's on a on a positive trajectory yeah. right now. I'd and say. I imagine there, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen everyone together. It's been since Turkey over a month and a half ago. So I'm going to guess that there's quite a few shooters who maybe didn't perform as well there 
but they're ready to rock in Copenhagen. Okay. Well, in your role as uh, as our Easton Pro Staff Coordinator, of course, now you've got a foot in the recurb swimming pool too. And uh, so let's chat a little bit about, uh, let's start with women's recurve before we head over to the uh, next category. Women's recurve is, is obviously um, one of the highly competitive categories that always seems to favor Korea. But we have seen some cracks in the foundation. We have seen the Korean women, uh, well, I'll just come out and say it, the Japanese women blew them away in uh, in Turkey as a team. And that is extraordinary, but not because, you know, I, I, I've been working with them some over there, and I can tell you I, I expected it. I, in fact, predicted it on, uh, on my Twitter feed. So where do you see that happening? Uh, I'm thinking we're going to see something out of Colombia, too, for the recurves. Yeah, there's uh, some strong shooting. Anna Rendon was in the gold medal final. Uh, Lasa Katuna Lorg at Pan Am Games. It's with set system in play. It's it's really hard to tell. I mean, qualification gives you one thing, usually a Korea one through three, but when it comes to head to head, you never know. Yeah, that's part of the reason why we still have tournaments. If we could predict who was going to win, we wouldn't have to bother, would we? All right, recurve men. Uh, Brady Ellison sticks his foot in the front in the fun wheel. It says here in my notes. Uh, you want to tackle that? Yeah. So uh, let me let me preface this, if I may. Yes. Brady Ellison is one of the best sportsmen and representatives of this sport that it has been my pleasure to be acquainted with for the last uh, I don't even know how many years I've known Brady. Long time, and I. Also, knowing a thing or three about the media, I don't think what we got from that ESPN story was Brady. I think what we got was a little Brady mixed in with some reporter clickbait. But that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say you, you definitely don't want to say any press is good press because it seems that ESPN often likes to report strictly on controversial items and not necessarily on you know, what happens at the Pan Am Games. Yeah, so we better clarify what happened here. At the Pan Am Games, Brady Ellison lost to Luis El Albuelo Alvarez, good friend of mine, good friend of ours, and uh, as is Brady. And, um, you know, we know these guys, and, and they're great competitors, both of them. And, you know, Luis was uh, on track uh, for, for a finals slot at London Olympics. He's no slouch. He's a great shooter. Brady, of course, a great shooter. Um, this time around... It was a set play situation where I think it was the third set and Luis shot one off the clock and therefore had a, you know, what would have been in straight scoring, a big deficit, but because it's the set system, you have the chance to come back and that's just what he did. Yes. Came back and he won the thing. So uh, an ESPN guy quoted Brady afterward as, as basically uh, unhappy with the fact that that sort of thing can happen. Yeah, and I completely understand where Brady's coming from. I mean, he... He won the match 141 points to 130 points if it's straight scoring, but it's not. And I'll point out, by the way, that in the women's recurve category, what was it, about a three-point difference in favor of the loser based uh, upon? One point, yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, it was same same scenario. Yeah, Katuna won 6-2, but the overall score was 105-104 in favor of was, Anna Rendon. Yeah, and Anna Maria, and, and certainly to Katuna's credit, you know, and to Anna Maria's credit, neither of them you know, said boo about that subject. I mean, it right. didn't come up. But, you know, uh, Katuna was the beneficiary of that. L Luis, you may argue, was the beneficiary of that. And, uh, you know, it's part of the game. It's what we do. Yeah, I mean, we sign up. If you're a recurver, you sign up to play set system. And 
I, and I, and I, I do understand you. frustrations, but that's what we're working with right now. Um, it's, know, if they change the rule partway through the match, then I could see somebody being upset. Yeah. But you go into that thing knowing. Yes, you do. You, you step in. It's a set system. you got to win six points. And the set system, I'm going to tell you as a recurve shooter, the set system is probably the ultimate format from the standpoint of keeping the audience engaged because, quite frankly, you know, I've, I've been the announcer for a fair number of events for World Archery, and I can tell you when you're working a crowd, you can tell what the mood of the crowd is, and when somebody's down eight points, it sucks the air out of the room. Yeah, not The media all. doesn't like it. The audience doesn't like it. The archers certainly don't like it. Not a lot of excitement there. Yeah, but, you know, it, it universally is accepted now by those with any kind of forethought that this change was needed to uh, to increase the media interest in our sport and certainly has paid off. Yeah, I mean, it's still to me as a competitor, if I beat someone head-to-head, straight-up raw score, I, I want to have won the match. You know, I don't want to have to look at that and go, oh, yeah, I, I beat this guy by three points, but he won. It doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense but i completely understand the set system as well i mean you look at other professional sports tennis uses the set system um the world series in baseball you know you play seven games right yeah Yeah, you play seven games and if you win 10-0 in the first game it doesn't doesn't do you any good except give you one win yeah and this is best of five basically so. so it's it's a similar thing to what other sports have and um i haven't i haven't heard any like controversy you know of uh Oh well, we we won ten zero in the first game of the World Series, and then they only beat us by one the remaining four games that they were victorious in. But we should win because we have a six point advantage. You know that doesn't make sense. So well, there's a reason we've got differentiation. You know, with the compounds, we've got differentiation because your sport is a precision sport. It's you know it's it's trying to not miss, whereas we're trying to hit. You know, yeah. And uh, I think when I say we, I'm talking recurve on my end, and Steve, of course. Uh, compound shooter but uh you know ultimately it is all about each individual shot you know because that's how you set up for either a score or a set win is each individual shot and that's that's ultimately got to be the focus and uh and that's what every top shooter focuses on you're right correct one shot at a time yep one shot at a time and they want each one to count we've got a lot of work ahead in this next uh, 10 days and we've also got some fun ahead in the next 10 days part of that's going to be to bring you more of this sort of uh communication we're gonna steve and i are gonna take the Shure microphones and the and the tiac recorder out to uh copenhagen with us and we'll drop a couple more podcasts yeah hoping so, to hoping that, to get a hold of some other shooters talk to you know the mike shelsers the sarah lopez about their world records maybe even kibo bay if we can make that happen yeah and as a listener we'd like your input too so we've set up a special email address yeah, podcast at eastontp.com. E-A-S-T-O-N-T-P.com. Podcast at eastontp.com. You can fire your questions to us. Steve and I will be checking that once in a while. And if your question is selected for our podcast and you give us your contact information, we will give you a certificate good for one dozen Easton all-carbon arrows of your choice if we choose your, uh, your question for the podcast. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So anyway, hey, inaugural Eastern Target podcast. Uh, we had a mix of information and controversy. Yes. Yeah. 
In one take. Yeah, in one take. Well, yeah, pretty much, huh? Yeah, we semi-cut it once There's, just because someone sneezed. But There was one. But, you know, other than that, that's uh, that was nice. And, uh, yeah, people are rolling their eyes right now, you know? Right. All but right. for a first go, it was pretty solid. Uh, okay, let's not hurt ourselves being so self-congratulatory. <laughs> we might just hurt our shoulders and not be able to carry our bags. All right, that does it for the inaugural episode of the Easton Target Podcast with me, George Tekmachov, and Steve the Big Cat Anderson here from Salt Lake City. See you next time from Copenhagen, and thank you for joining us. Adios.